I think it should never be permitted to happen again. That is very good. Hello everyone and welcome to the Cricket Podcast with me, Jack Hope, Ross Legg. Good evening. And Max Roe-Brown. Hello. Nice that you've got a new mic there, Max. Yeah, yeah, it's, um, it's great to have one. Um, this week on the Cricket Podcast, Max, you're going to be talking us through um, some cricket that's actually happened. Uh, the Vanuatu Blast, is that right? That is right, yeah. Uh, I am going to be talking about the worst tour ever. Um, and Ross, you, you've brought no official story to, to the gathering, but uh, you will be chipping in. Yeah, uh, I'll, just, I'll, bring, I'll bring the usual class. Yeah. <laughs> Oo- the oozes <laughs> from my podcasting uh, uh, ability. As ever, we'll be finishing off with the Hall of Fame. Um, but before we crack on with the show, um, my question for you this week, boys, um, you, you may have seen in the news that uh, our, our dear leader, Dominic Cummings, went on a 260-mile unnecessary drive during lockdown. Um, my question for you, based on that, is how morally outraged are you? Ross? Um, I kind of see, it was quite reckless, and uh, what I can link it to is how annoyed I get at James Vince getting to, like, 25... <laughs> And then irresponsibly driving outside off stump and sneaking off. Um, Max, you. <laughs> I can't beat that as a comment. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm on a scale of 1 to 100, it's uh, 104. Ooh. Actually, no, I, I, I'm going to dial that back because Jack's just taken his shirt off on, the, nice. on our nice. video call. And, it's quite um, warm here. And that's sort of more outrageous to me, so... <laughs> Uh, just just for the listeners at home, we, we have to close the windows to record this podcast. It's 28 degrees today in the UK. That never happens. I, Max, do you, know, do you know what? Look at this. Shirts for your skins. <laughs> <laughs> um, now Ross is taking his shirt off. Um, <laughs> no, no, no pressure, Max, but you're, uh, you are the stat man and you just said out of 100, you're 104 angry. So... Um... <laughs> Um, at, the moment, at the moment, it's not going too well for you, is it? To follow that up, I mean, does that mean, like Dominic Cummings Drive, does that mean we can just go and play cricket this weekend with no uh, no guilt? In fact, uh, yes. you're allowed to drive for 294 miles to go and play cricket. All the better if there's a castle in the background as well. Yeah, I, wonder if, I, I wonder if we can go and play at Chesterley Street. Is that a biosphere? <laughs> <laughs> stop, stop over the castle on the way? Oh, interestingly, from Chesterley Street, uh, well, since you mentioned it, uh, Mark Wood was um, practising there today. He bowled a ball that registered on the speed gun at 123 miles an hour. Well, that's oh, broken, nice. isn't it? Yeah. Mm. <laughs> that, that, oh, no, I just think that's, uh, that's quarantine life going very well for him. He's, he's treated his body well, <laughs> finally living up to that potential. Well, maybe he was unfurling all of his ire at Dominic Cummings into that one delivery. There we go. Not a bad idea. Um, right, I, I think that's enough uh, Dominic Cummings chat, um, so we will take a quick break, play a jingle and be back with Max and the Vanuatu Blast. Morning everyone, it's um, not exactly what we wanted to see, the three umpires, Darrell Hare and Terry Prue and Len King, just going out uh, to see what they can do and to see if there's any decision that uh, they might be able to make. At the moment it's only going to be that they'll make another inspection a little later on when uh, they can uh, say that the has stopped and then perhaps there might be the chance of a, a later start. It remains uh, very frustrating. They're going off. The umpire 
into Max covering the Vanuatu Blast and we just want to highlight that we've got Jack Russell, famed ex-England cricketer and wicketkeeper extraordinaire on the show next week. Um, we are interviewing him on Thursday, so this is recording on Tuesday, so if you listen to it on Wednesday, please get in touch um, on Twitter at the Cricket Pod and ask any questions you might have for him. We will take a number of the questions that are said and we will uh, ask away. The, yeah. funnier the, the funnier the better, I reckon. I'm excited for that. Obviously, Jack Russell made it into the Hall of Fame last week um, above Adam Gilchrist and Sangakara. So he, he, as a listener group, it appears that that um, his skills and personality are valued. So I, I hope um, yeah, it's, it's going to be good. Yeah, he's a real keeper. Um, Max, <laughs> the, the Vanuatu Blast. Um, it's the only cricket that's going on in the world at the moment, to my knowledge, in terms of a uh, professional standard, assuming it is professional. Um, I don't think my kind of cricket nets down in Brixton are <laughs> can, uh, claimed in that. Um, how's it going on the little island? Um, yeah, well, why don't I take you there? Take you to to the island of, of Vanuatu in the Pacific, the nice. capital capital of Port Vila. Uh, population of two hundred and seventy two thousand four hundred and fifty nine, and yes, it's the first country that has resumed playing cricket. Um, so yeah, yeah, while all you know, you got your football fans. Uh, settling down to watch the Bundesliga and becoming German football experts. Mm-hmm. Uh, English cricket fans can do the same. And become Vanuatu, Vanuatu cricket yeah. experts. Um, <laughs> so we, we've got the Vanuatu, the bet barter Vanuatu blast. It's, uh, of course, um, sponsored by a betting company, as you might expect when there's very little sport going on. Yeah, we wouldn't want to get that. We wouldn't want to forget to get that ad in, would we, for bet barter? Yes, our, our non-partnered company. Yeah, and I can imagine what Vanuatu is kind of one of those leagues that's really strong kind of governance. Yeah, and there's a re- really good anti-corruption unit in Vanuatu. Yeah, plenty of money put into that. I think. Well, I think there is some safeguarding in that the skill level might be sufficiently low that actually it would be really difficult to deliberately spot fix. Okay. Okay. Right. Tell us more. So, we'll, we'll, but yeah, yeah, we'll see. Um, we've, so, so, yeah, wait, we are, you, to, are you telling me, Max, before we get started, yeah. there's every chance that if I bet there's five no balls in an over, that that could just, be, that could just happen? Yeah, that, Orga- that, that could happen organically, yeah. I've, okay, right. I've not okay. watched much, but um, it seems plausible. <laughs> okay, uh, anyway. Well, t- tell us more about this cricket you've not seen. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, it's, it's the three titans of the Pacific Islands uh, There's only cricket. three! Oh, in, the, in this competition, there are in fact ten cricket clubs in Vanuatu. Oh, right. okay, um, but oh. this competition in particular has, uh, has three, um, three companies. I was thinking maybe the best way uh, to, to sort of whet the appetite would be to um, uh, ease you in with the, the official sort of uh, teaser trailer for the Vanuatu Blast. How does sure. that sound? Oh, yeah, yes, please. Sounds excellent, Max, yeah. Right, so we'll, we'll let the uh, the head of Vanuatu and cricket uh, take it away and, and be back in in a minute. Hey, we're back. I'm just finishing up Vanuatu cricket's latest masterpiece. 
Voila! Here it is, the Betbara Verawatu Blast Men's T10 Competition. Yes, that's right, live cricket's back from Verawatu. The top three men's club fans will be battling out for the Bet Bata Verawatu Blast. And we've got three aggressive captains who've got something to say about it. Hi, I'm Nalini Pico, captain of the Israel Sacks, and I only have one thing to say to the other team. Do not swim in sack infested waters. You're not ready for this sack attack. I'm Joshua Rasu, captain of the mighty Apate Panthers, and I've got this to say. Panthers are excellent swimmers and are stealthy. We are ready to attack on land and water. I'm Andrew Mansale, captain of Mele Tafir Boots, and I have this to say. Sack belongs to water. There's no pandas in Vanuatu. Bulls rule this land. So that, that puts our production value to shame. Um, did you know we have um, Shane Dites, who's the head of Vanuatu Cricket, he came along to watch us play amateur cricket in uh, London Fields. He's, he's a friend, a, a guy on our team, Liam, is, uh, is friends with him from Australia. Oh, really? He, we offered him a game uh, and he turned us down. So <laughs> I think sound judgment. I, I, I predict great things in his uh, in his administrative career. <laughs> your, your one experience so far of his decision making has been uh, been very sensible. It's been on point. Yeah. <laughs> um, well, if uh, let, let's uh, cast our mind to that lovely little clip, um, and and ask ourselves the question that everyone wants the answer to, which is, do the bulls rule this land? <laughs> uh, unfortunately, not at the moment, because uh, they are bottom with one win from their three games so far. Um, but that did come in their third game against the current leaders, who are the oh, mighty yeah. Afati Panthers. Um, uh, well, yeah, I mean, as, as, as the captain said, there's no Panthers in, in Vanuatu. No, um, but the, uh, the cricketing equivalent are, uh, are certainly <laughs> ruling the roost. Pouncing on their opposition. Mm. That game, though, that game was what can only reasonably be described as a classic. Um, the bottom team, bottom team in the league playing against the leaders, needing 131 from 10 overs, chased it down for the loss of seven wickets with one ball to spare. That is a good game. No, that, that's, that's, yeah, that, sounds... that is what yeah. I want from my uh, people my T10. We've talked about that for years to come. Yeah. <laughs> um, on, on, my, on my deathbed, do you remember that Vanuatu game? <laughs> <laughs> uh, the other team involved are the Ifira Sharks. Um, that's a good uh, I actually quite like that name. Yeah, well, these Sharks are better with the ball than the bat, it would seem. Okay. Uh, in their first Unusual game... for Sharks. Yeah. Well, I'm not sure what you'd expect Sharks to be better with, but... Uh, they're cold-blooded um, with the ball. Their first game, they were... Ross, is, this is this is what you're bringing to the podcast today, is it? High-quality high puns, Max. <laughs> just, uh, just take it on your mantle. <laughs> oh, dear. Um, so in their first game, the Sharks were bowled out by thir- for 35 by the Panthers. Um, and in their second game, they restricted the, the balls to 61 for 6 from their 10. And won by four wickets. So, uh, yeah, they're the, they're the low-scoring thrillers. Uh, with the yeah, with the sharks, yeah. but both those results do sound like thrillers. Yeah, <laughs> but both of them also sound like the standard of cricket we play. So maybe, maybe the Vanuatu man is a, isn't actually uh, is actually the highest judge of character. Well, well actually, uh, uh, Shane Dites is actually really interested in trying to um, develop cricket tourism in Vanuatu. Mm-hmm. Um, so maybe maybe that is something that we could look into. You know, as a, as a club, pop over to Vanuatu, get some tour mm. games in. So Max, just uh, just for the uneducated, aka me, how mm. far is Vanuatu away from the UK? Uh, 
Oh, why don't I do it in time zone? That'll give you a bit of a clue. Um, it's 11 hours <laughs> don't ahead. Don't do this. We've got history on this podcast of having trouble with time zones. If you could just give me the longitude and latitude as well as the time zone, <laughs> right. I'm sure it'd be fine. Take Australia yep, and go yeah. a bit further. Oh, right. Yeah. So, so quite an easy cricket tour so, to organise in the UK. So, New Zealand? Uh, no. Well, New Zealand's sort of south, isn't it, of Australia. Vanuatu is, Vanuatu is further east. Okay. Fair enough. Okay. Um, well, so so we can, we'll, put, we'll put it on the maybe pile. Yeah. I think I think that's an illustration of why people don't use further as a direction. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's, that's fair. That is fair enough. Take uh, Lords and then go further, and you'll be at my house. <laughs> that's pretty accurate. Aren't um, so I mean, there's three more rounds of fixtures to to go, uh, happening on the next three Saturdays. Um, so that's the 30th of May up to the 13th of June. And if you are interested, all of the action is live streamed on YouTube. That's good. Um, yeah. Although, they like one a- of those weird kind of ECB ICC setups. So there's three teams involved. So instantly, I'm thinking that there's going to be a semi-final. There's going to be some kind of weird final semi-final kind of thing going on. Well, yeah, Ross, actually, it? this is something I was hoping that maybe you could help me with because um, I read uh, in an article that was talking about the plans for the Vanuatu Blast. Mm. Um, where they said they were intending to stage a men's T10 competition, which involved a round-robin phase, followed by a semi-final, followed by a final. Oh my god, they actually are going to have second v first. I, the third, aren't they? How? how? So they're so, going to have a round-robin of games <laughs> to eliminate no teams. <laughs> and then Just... second will play third to play against the team who won the league. Nice. That sounds yeah. like cricket to me. Um, is, there, is there anything else we need to know about the the Vanuatu um, Premier League or whatever it's called? Yeah, well, I think one well, just to put it into a bit of context, really. Um, so, obviously, Vanuatu in cricket's not, not the biggest thing in the world. But um, they, so they've never broadcast any games on TV up to now. They broadcast the f- league competition final on the radio once. Um, but uh, so last month, they... They had an exhibition, men's exhibition T10, and the final of their women's T20, which they streamed online, and that was the first sort of uh, broadcasting they'd done, uh, which had 450,000 people tune in to watch. Oh, nice. Which is pretty impressive. Um, but also worth mentioning that the cameraman had no idea of the rules for this game <laughs> and didn't know where the ball was coming from. So they're starting from not very much. Uh, so where they've got to now is quite a testament um, to uh, the organisation of, of Shane Dykes. He's done an excellent job. <laughs> we'll and, uh, we'll, 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 and we'll get a message to him through the grapevine. Maybe we can get him on the show after Jack, Jack, um, Jack mm-hmm. Russell. Yeah, maybe. Uh, one more fun fact about Vanuatu. Nothing to do with cricket, but this uh, I, I found this interesting. Um, they sell citizenship for $150,000 and its passports allow visa-free travel throughout Europe. There we go. Cashing in on the Brexit hype. Yeah. Um, <laughs> In, in other cricket news, Max, do you have anything for us? Because there are a couple of things um, related to England that have come up this week. Yeah, uh, well, there was one thing about um, staying with the coronavirus topic where North Ants reckon they can get about 1,500 fans in for, for their blast games. Bold. Um, their capacity is 6,500, so obviously they're operating on um, a 25% capacity thing. Uh, that, I, yeah, I find that unlikely, but uh, would be good if they could get it to happen. You know, maybe it could be a members-only thing. That would suit me. Well, they are talking about that at Surrey, aren't they? There's a members-only 
actually admi- uh, um, able to join the games. Yeah. Um, I did, with the the men's national team, um, it looks like the West Indies are coming. I think they're due to name a twenty-five man squad tomorrow, and then fly out pretty soon after that um, for their two-week quarantine at Old Trafford. Um, and the Pakistan uh, team will be following them quite shortly afterwards because of the quarantining that they have to do. Um, Pakistan will be in the country like way before they'd normally be here uh, quarantining and practicing. So it does look like there will be uh, test matches in England uh, probably from July, um, which which will be good, great. I think great news. Yeah. Um, There's also a bit there around the ECB that they're. They, their biosphere kind of approach um, they're obviously getting the uh, the players to have like one to one coaching sessions where they're all around the country at these different locations mm-hmm. unsurprisingly the ECB cocked it up didn't have enough capacity did they of um, PPE <laughs> um, yeah so they, wouldn't, they wouldn't be the first organisation in this country to suffer from a lack of PPE. So. I, I, no. just, I just think the ECB, are, they are so close to the Tory government, it's unbelievable in terms of how incompetent they are <laughs> <laughs> uh, the final thing on, on domestic cricket is that I think it's the top 20 uh, women cricketers have had their pay guaranteed, I believe, um, until for this season, regardless of whether any games take place. So um, that's good. good news. That is yep. good news. How, how do they, just, um, you might not know, but how do they gauge the top 20 cricketers? Is it just the last t- 20 oh. people who are in the England I, I, I suspect it's probably something like the central contracts for the men's game, yeah. I don't think there's like a an ECB ranking system. Um, that's what you're <laughs> that, would be, that would notoriously be flawed. <laughs> uh, we're gonna we're gonna do this ranking system based on robot wars, style <laughs> control, damage, and aggression. <laughs> I think that would uh, well actually that would put James Vince near the top, wouldn't it? I, I tell you what, Craig well, Charles no, would no. be a great commentator for Vanuatu if the Vanuatu wanted to take that approach. I'd, I'd approve that. Brilliant. Um, well, Max, anything else to add on the uh, coronavirus front? No, that's all from Vanuatu Cricket. Bye-bye. Stop, Jamie. Great work. Beautiful piece of work. That's what he was there for. Wakeside stumping. That was all Jack Russell's look at that one. That was a fine piece of work. That really was fantastic work. He whipped the bars off in a flash. And as soon as they saw me, Jack Russell came bounding over. <laughs> <laughs> and I just made it into the pop increase in time. So, Jack, we've uh, we've covered Dominic Cummings's uh, 294 mile tour of uh, of Durham. Um, are you going to sort of enlighten us with something even worse than that? Um, I mean, that is the plan, Max. Uh, before we get into it, though, uh, we, we've been on tours. We've heard about tours. We've seen tours. We've watched England on tour. Off the top of your head, um, what do you think? the worst tour of all time was or, or has been. And you can be you can have been involved in this or, or not. I mean the most recent one to New Zealand was pretty bad when all the England players were ill. <laughs> yeah, that was pretty bad. Yeah, yeah. that was notoriously bad. I can imagine one where you had to get a boat was pretty naff. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'm not I'm not sure how long those boat journeys took, but it must be a couple of weeks. Uh, I think longer to Australia, isn't it? About a three-week trip or something like that. Uh, <laughs> After a while, see, that'd be pretty now. Like, I hate the concept of a cruise, and that is definitely not going to be a cruise, is it? No, yeah, that's that's a good point. Uh, Max, have you got any thoughts? 
Um, well, I think any of England's um, sort of forays into Australia before sort of the the early two thousands are up there. I mean, we, did get we, white, usually, we did we did get whitewashed yeah, twice in the two thousands. We usually like won a game in like the nineties and so on. <laughs> Interesting. Like, well, sorry, I do. I mean, we need to discuss this in more detail. On what criteria are you basing that statement? Losing horribly, but I suppose <laughs> that the whitewashes would probably be worse. Um, yeah, I mean, they're all bad. And um, Ross, you've been on a few tours. You've ever been on any on any horrific ones? Um, no, actually, the, all the ones I've been down to are kind of in down into the West Country, and there's actually a really nice way to spend kind of a week or a long weekend. Everybody's really friendly down there. The standard of cricket's pretty good, um, and actually, people just like having a bit of a beer as well. And the standard of cricket is actually really strong, so I highly recommend. There you go. <laughs> no, nothing, nothing too bad, and that that is uh, that is the paid broadcast for Devon. Yeah, you did feel the need to tell us about the standard of cricket twice in two sentences. But um, apart from that, that's good. Um, so I, I was having a look into this um, based on my own curiosity, basically. And, and I think there's one standout candidate for the, the worst tour of all time. I mean, some of England's tours for Australia recently have been bad. Um, Jack Leach nearly dying was was also bad, Ross. That's a good point. Um, but the, the West Indies in South Africa, 1998-99... Um, was was awful. Um, before we get into like a chronology of what happened and to whom, uh, I think there's one incident that I'm just going to highlight straight away that encapsulates how badly it went. Um, so I did some number crunching around this, and I found I, did, I found a survey of um, knife-related injuries in uh, in American emergency departments. Right. Um, and with some like pretty basic calculations, I worked out that in, in a year, there's about a 1 in 2,100 chance that any individual will cut themselves severely enough in the kitchen or making food to have to go to the emergency department. Um, so, I, like, you know, I think you'd agree that's fairly long odds. You would not expect that to happen to a professional cricketer um, about to go on tour. Um but in this story, that, that is exactly what happened to Jimmy Adams. Except, not only did he injure himself with a knife, uh, he did this with a plastic knife. Whilst, cutting, <laughs> whilst trying to cut into some crusty bread on an aeroplane. <laughs> um, there aren't, in short, there are, I mean, there are 40 million flights a year. I, I couldn't find a single other incident of a man cutting himself with a plastic knife <laughs> on a plane. Um, <laughs> they're, already, they're already like childproof, aren't they? They're yeah. Already... So that that as a prelude to um, to to this story kind of gives you an idea that the, the kind of anything that could go wrong um, will go wrong. Um, anyway, to the beginning. Um, for a bit of context, this is the first time that the West Indies um, will go to South Africa in an official capacity since the end of apartheid. Um, Obviously, during apartheid, a couple of rebel tours went, and some like significant amounts of money were thrown around. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I think a few shows ago we talked about Malcolm Marshall turning down a million dollars not to go. So it, there's there's quite a lot of principle around this. The the, the black players that did go were made honorary whites. Um, an actual West Indian team going officially for the first time um, meant a lot. Uh, now, in the context of this, so th- th- there's a little bit of debate around this from the different sources I read, but it, it sounds like at least some black South Africans were actually going to support the West Indies here. 
Um, and at the very least, they thought that uh, Brian Lara was pretty fantastic. Mm-hmm. Um, so, with that in mind, you can see how it could get a little bit ugly when the day before the tour, uh, Brian Lara and six of his senior players miss their flight to Johannesburg and fly to Heathrow, um, where they proceed to hole up in an airport hotel and go on strike. Um, the rough chronology of the strike goes like this. So the 3rd of November, the strike begins. The 4th of November, um, Brian Lara and the strikers are ruled out of the tour by the West Indies Cricket Board. The 5th of November, uh, Lara is fired as the West Indies captain, and all the strikers are fined. The 6th, um, the seven West Indies players that actually did go to South Africa also go on strike, fly to Heathrow, and join Brian Lara and the rest of the squad in, <laughs> in the hotel. Wait, wait, wait. So they did they go to South Africa and then fly back from Johannesburg to Heathrow? Yeah, the seven that went. So that included like a few junior players. Chandapool was there. And the whole strike's over pay, basically. And it's yeah. not just pay for the whole team. It's pay for Brian Lara and, and um, Carl Hooper and Curtly Walsh, Curtly uh, uh, Ambrose and Courtney Walsh. It's the senior players have gone on strike over pay. And they kind of got the other guys to come along with it mm. at this point. So the 7th of November, and this gives you an idea of how seriously um, this was being taken. Nelson Mandela, the president of South Africa, writes personal letters to all 14 players, um, which, are, which are hand-delivered by the, the, the head of South African cricket. Now, now when Ali Bakker, the head of South African cricket, turns up to deliver these letters, uh, at first the West Indian players just refuse to accept them. Um, there's an hour-long standoff. Eventually, Courtney Walsh goes down and collects them. Eighth um, of November, the, pl- the players stay on strike. They they give at no point do they respond to the Nelson Mandela letters. Like the maybe the most influential political figure in the world at this point. Mm. Maybe in the last sort of fifty years, they blank him. The 9th of November, um, and this is where a, a miraculous thing happens. Can you guess what that might be? No. Nope, well, they offered them some more money. They, no, they didn't. So the West Indies Cricket Board didn't do that. What they did was they miraculously found another sponsor, Morgan Spiced Rum, who came forward with a load of extra cash. Um, the 10th of November, everybody agrees that it was just a big misunderstanding. Brian Lars reinstated as captain. All the fines are uh, rescinded and the team fly to um, Johannesburg. Um, on the 11th of November the, the, is the date of the flight and that's when Jimmy Adams stabs himself. That's the story of the strike. Um, they end up there, Brian Laura, everyone thinks he's a bit of a dickhead, basically. Um, mm-hmm. and, and he is, probably. Uh, he's coerced the team into striking. It's not really clear that any of the players have gained anything financially, um, apart from Brian Laura and Carl Hooper. And about three days into this tour, like nobody is talking to anyone. Um, <laughs> not ideal. I mean, Ross, on your trips to the West Country, I don't know if it went like that. Um, well, because of the standard of cricket, um, <laughs> <laughs> there was no mutiny, no mutiny, no no mutiny, and no strike over pay. Um, well, well, have you ever played in a team where people aren't talking to other players? Yes. What happened? Yeah. Uh, so, so, so I think um, when it comes to like club selection, there's definitely there's always going to be a bit of politics involved, and typically, kind of teams can get over it. But when the season is going quite badly. And then there's kind of favouritism within the ranks. I think the odd snipe comes here in, and then all of a sudden um, the morale of the team is sapped. You lose a couple of wickets, gets to the end of the game, huge row blows up, and then the next week nobody's talking to each other, and they have to have a bit of an intervention. (laughs) 
so it sounds like something like this has kind of happened there. That was quite a good little anecdote there, except there's been no intervention, and there will be no intervention. Um, <clears throat> the other aspect of being on tour, and I think, I think this is a lesson that as amateur cricketers, like we have, we, we know, um, and I assume this just applies to the professional game as well. Um, when you go on tour, you want an opposition that is competitive, don't you? But you don't want them to be ridiculously good. Mm -hmm. um, if anything, you want to be slightly better than them, so you can, you can win. Um, is that fair enough? Yeah, and that, that was actually one of the things. So when I went down to um, the West Country, um, it was part of one of the Sussex representative 11s. And not, I was definitely the worst player there by a mile, by the way. What, were, somehow, you, were, you, what were you representing? Uh, three bridges, apparently. I got a bursary <laughs> and everything. Absolutely robbed blind that, that lovely club, Brunswick CC. But typically Brunswick would have um, kind of overseas players and you'd have pretty much the best players from the Sussex teams would go on this tour. And what you'd find is that the reason the standard of cricket down there was good is because they'd come down seasons before and it'd always have a good battle. But yeah. there, was, there was one season where the, um, the West Country teams just kind of just like, look, we just can't put players out. Brunswick lads turned up and just smashed every team in sight. Yeah. And so from that moment on, it was just like, look, we need to make sure this is competitive, otherwise there's no point doing it. That's, All the that's cricket... why I took you. <laughs> yeah, I think from more than likely, <laughs> they were just like, this guy's like a third teamer. He seems like a nice chap. Yeah. Well, anyway, in, in this case, um, the opposition, they turn out to be pretty good. Um, South Africa, uh, you might have heard of this opening bowling pair, uh, Sean Pollock and Alan Donald. Yeah. Yeah. Pretty good. Uh, yep. This is the year, this is the year, I mean, like, this gets played every year in England when there's a rain break. Um, the time Alan Donald nearly killed Mike Atherton, uh, this is, this is like three months uh, after that. So Alan Donald's like at his peak. Sean Pollock is just about to start his peak. Um, in the, in this series, they take fifty two wickets at uh, less than seventeen. Um, <laughs> in one of the tests, uh, Donald <clears throat> Donald he got injured, um, and so South Africa they needed an extra seamer to step in. Well, can I guess uh, who it is? Yeah, that's what I was going to ask. Uh, I've got two in my head. Not sure how times, but so Macairn Tini. No. Uh, Andre Nell. No. They turn to um, a young all-rounder who you, who you may have heard of, um, Jacques Callis. Oh, right, yeah, Jacques Callis. <laughs> now, at this point, he's not actually very good, uh, or his stats aren't that good. Um, at, the, at the beginning of the series, he averaged 34 with the ball and only 29 with the bat. He's had his, he's had his moments, but mainly sort of in one-day cricket. Anyway, he gets the ball in this innings. What do you reckon he does? Uh, probably take eight for... He take only five, only five <laughs> <laughs> But he steps into Alan, Alan Donald's shoes fairly well, I, I think we can agree. Um, in the same game, incidentally, he scores a century and a 50. In South Africa, they call it the Callis game. Um, <laughs> <laughs> he finishes the series as the top run scorer, takes 17 wickets, and like then goes on to have maybe the best career of any all-rounder ever. Mm -hmm. um, in fact, probably. In fact, I mean, I, I think... I think it doesn't he have more wickets than any other any other all rounder in history, and definitely has more runs. Well, for, well, fortunately, in the Hall so of the West Fame Indies this week, have just stumbled into that bear trap. <laughs> what were you going to say, Ross? Sorry. I said, well, fortunately, in the Hall of Fame this week, we're doing all rounders, and Max is <laughs> Max is arguing the case for Jack Callis. So if you fail to get Jack Callis into the Hall of Fame, Max, yeah, it sounds shoot. like a strong start, doesn't it? Yeah, so you've, got, me. You, you've got some um, you've got some good bowling talent there. You've got the emergence of Callis as a batsman. Um, behind the stumps, Mark Boucher, he, he only goes five test matches without conceding a single bye. Um, 
So, like, I mean, the West Indies, they've turned up, they're on strike, they're not talking to each other. One of their best players, and the guy who is the diplomat and kind of brings them all together, uh, Jimmy Adams, he stabbed himself. Or at least that's the official version of events. They're, we'll get to that later. Um, so, South Africa have this, this incredible blossoming. Um, Adams is out. Uh, before the first test, um, West Indies frontline spinner Ramnarine he dislocates his shoulder. He's out for the tour. Um, Walsh and Ambrose, they both pick up injuries. They're about thirty-nine thousand years old at this point. <laughs> um, both of them miss games. Um, Brian Lara, he chips a bone in his wrist. He misses three of the ODIs. Um, so they're having, a, 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 I think it's fair to say, a fairly torrid time there. Um, it's not the end of the world though, because you know they are professionals. They're now being paid. Most of them are healthy, um, and you two, like, what are you thinking at, at this time? Like, they're probably going to win a few games, right? Yeah, you'd think that old um, Shivnarayan Chanderpool would kind of start to make his name for himself. Well, they don't. Um, they have a, the five five test um, series um, for the for only the sixth time in Test cricket history. The West Indies are whitewashed. Um, not not the West. Not sorry. Let me explain that. Five times in history before that, mainly by England, a team has lost 5-0. The West Indies become the sixth team to pull off that feat. Right. Um, in the ODIs, the West Indies are the number one ranked team in the world at this point. They've been the number one ranked team in the world since ranking started. <laughs> they lost the series 6-1. Um, in local matches against domestic sides, they failed to win a game and lost twice. Oh, this is... This is... <laughs> This is very England 2007. <laughs> yeah. um, a few other moments of shithousery, and then I'll sort of wrap up this, uh, well, this, this odyssey of disaster. Um, one of the South African journalists, this is to sort of just demonstrate how badly it had all gone wrong, I think. Um, one of the South African journalists covering the tour um, went on, and I'm not making this up, a 260-mile drive <laughs> to interview Courtney Walsh and Shiv Narayan Chandapal. When he got there, uh, he rang their room from reception, um, both of them replied they'd gone to bed. <laughs> it was three o'clock in the afternoon. <laughs> uh, in the third ODI, um, Brian Lara, he um, he successfully appealed to get Daryl Cullinan out, dismissed, handled the ball. Um, oh, nice. <laughs> yeah. What Daryl done? It, he, what Daryl Cullinan does, he hits the ball into the floor. It bounces up to about head height. It's not going to hit the stumps. He catches it, throws it back to the bowler. And Brian Lara runs over, appeals to the umpire, and the umpire has to give it because um, well, that, <laughs> that's the rule. Um, and finally, on the evening of the first test, the CEO of uh, the West Indies Cricket Board uh, was mugged at gunpoint. Oh, God. This, is, <laughs> this is terrible. One last quote from, from someone who actually witnessed this. Uh, there was a journalist uh, for the Cape Town Times, Mark Keohane. Uh, and he managed to get like a, an, a, an, a global exchange rate joke into this. So fair play to him. Uh, <laughs> the Rand, globally, is a bit like this West Indian cricket team. Worth nothing. But if you're getting paid in Rand, then 130 Rand is a whack to have spent on these clowns. Wrong. Not clowns. Because at least the money would have ensured a few laughs. Instead, all we got was a West Indies yawn. Cool. <laughs> um, do, you want to, do you want to know what happened after the, the humiliation of this tour? Do you want to take a guess? Oh, it sounds like, a, it sounds like um, there's a lot to draw parallels with England here. And I reckon it would have ended a few careers. The captain probably went. 
there were some retirements that were probably a bit uh, overdue. Um, no, actually, no one retired. Um, they kept Lara on as captain. Um, they went out the World Cup in the group stages, and then for the first time since I think the introduction of the six ball over, uh, lost a home series to England. Wow. Yeah. Start yeah. of the decline. Uh, yeah, I mean, I think you could say that, Max. So that, I, I don't think you can top that as a bad tour. Um, yeah, that's really quite something, isn't it? Do you want to? Um, do you want to know one last thing? Of course. Um, so you know that Jimmy Adams injury um, that we talked about at the beginning. Mm-hmm. Um, I mentioned that that was was the official version of events that he cut his hand while trying to cut crusty, uh, crusty bread with a plastic knife. With an impossibly smooth knife. <laughs> Um, so the, there's another version of events to this and it's nobody's got like a source that says this is the person that did it um, but it comes up in a lot of different a lot of different journalists say oh it's an ex-player who I had a beer with or it was an Indian couple on the plane so you know there's no one's really sure about this mm-hmm. but allegedly um, Brian Lara and Franklin Rose who was a, a bowler who played a few games for West Indies around his time um, got into a heated argument on the plane over in quotes pillow talk um, and started attacking each other. Now, Jimmy Adams, who I mentioned was the diplomat, he got up to break this up, and in the course of doing so, uh, got stabbed through the hand um, so badly that he lacerated two tendons. Oh. <laughs> That's, um, Still with that, a plastic fork? <laughs> with a knife, a, it must have been a plastic fork. No, uh, they, that is, that's not clear, but that's, <laughs> that's the other version of events. Um, that's the West Indies in, in, in South Africa, 1998-99. Oh, thanks, Jack, for uh, telling us that. Um, yeah, I, c- I can confirm that the West Country is nothing like that. <laughs> Brilliant. Well, we'll take a short break and then um, we'll be back with a Hall of Fame for all rounders. Jacinda Ardern. Peter Jackson. Helen Clark. Sonny Bill Williams. Flight of the Concords. Edmund Hillary. Can you hear me? Edmund Hillary. You boys took the hell of a beating. You boys took the hell of a beating. So, the Hall of Fame. This week we're doing all-rounders, and uh, we've already alluded to the fact that Jack Callis has been selected. So, Max, I think it's probably apt that you kick off and um, pretty much put the best player of all time... In terms of cricket, whether he's an all-round or anything, he's just the best player ever. And see if you can manage to get him into the Hall of Fame. It's an open goal here, Max. No pressure. Well, I've never been um, never been the best at striking a football, so there's always a, a strong chance that I'll miss. <laughs> I'll do my best. <laughs> um, so, Jacques Callis. Um, I, I've gone for a slightly different approach to um, providing evidence this week. Uh, I've, I've decided that there needs to be a way of measuring uh, an average for an all-rounder. So obviously you've got, you can have, a, you can say, oh, a batting average above this and a bowling average below that and all that, what have you, and come up with a net average of one minus the other. But um, what that doesn't take into account, obviously, is the fact that uh, batting averages can go theoretically sky high and uh, there's a there's a floor on how low your bowling average can go and it's easier to get a higher batting average. So uh, I've sort of... I've I've done a, come up with a little little uh, little stat, which is uh, I've I've dis- 
described it as the uh, the weighted net average. It's um, it's very complicated. Uh, it's uh, your batting average minus your bowling average, but I've multiplied the bowling average by an arbitrary number. Um, so what, what I really like about this already, Max, is that you've taken slam dunk statistics yeah. and complicated it massively, which I like. Yeah. So, yeah. Here's a follow-up to this as well, because um, are batting averages always destined to be higher than bowling averages? If you think about this, I'm not sure this is that that's 100% true because bowlers can bowl no balls and wides, which just get added to extras and, and, and therefore their bowling average, whereas batsmen can't score runs that way. Yeah, penalty runs, overthrows. Yeah, but they don't count towards anyone, do they? You don't, you don't get bonus runs for... Overthrows, do yeah, yeah, but they but they they count against the bowler. They count against both, don't they? But what I'm saying is that there's a, there's a there's a group of numbers. There's a group of runs that are scored by against bowlers that aren't scored for batsmen. Yeah, yeah, but also I'm your bowling doubting, average. I'm, your bowling average can't go below zero, and the batting average could theoretically go as high as it likes. So um, anyway. Well, yeah, you've yeah. Really nailed this you, you've you've uh, you've really o- overcomplicated something that I've already unnecessarily overcomplicated. Point is, I wanted to come welcome up with to a the way... cricket podcast. <laughs> Point is, I wanted to come up with a way of looking at all of the all rounders just with like one stat. Okay. And uh, I didn't think doing a batting average minus a bowling average was fair because there's more of a variance in batting averages than there is in bowling averages with the players I looked at. So I wanted to make the bowling average a little bit more important, which actually hurts Jack Callis a bit because his batting average is 55 in tests, nice. um, which is pretty good. And his bowling average is, uh, is is 32, which is also pretty good, but um, you know it's, better, it's on the same level as Andrew Flintoff, who you might consider more of a bowling all-rounder. Um, but you know it's not it's not what he's he's known for. So we're penalising Jack Callis, and even penalising him, he. He, along with uh, one other player, uh, Gary Sobers, is far beyond any other all-rounder in the list I've got. Um, so, what well, is it just now? So, we'll go to on. slam dunk stats. Let's let's just <laughs> recap this. We spent eight minutes saying that according to a statistic you've made up, Callis is the best. Correct. Cool. And also, <laughs> according to some statistics that I haven't made up. Um, Jack Callis is also the best. Okay. He's he scored thirteen thousand two hundred and eighty nine runs in Test cricket. Uh, uh, that's right. That's more so, than yeah, as you said, so, more than any other all rounder by absolute streets. Um, he's also got two hundred and ninety two wickets. That's quite a lot. And on top of that, not just batting and bowling. Uh, not a bad slip catcher either. Two hundred catches in Tests. Yeah, those big bucket hands <laughs> doing him uh, plenty of favours. Um, so you know you can you can look cut it which way you like. You can look at my stupid made-up number, and he's way better than almost everyone else, apart from Gary Sobers, who's the only one who can hold a hold a torch to him. Or you can look at it in um, raw numbers and find out the exact exactly the same thing. Um, so all I can say is um, I wasted about half an hour of my life to prove something that had already been proven. <laughs> Max, I like that. I like that. Have you got anything else to tell us about Callis? Yeah, actually, um, an interesting little tidbit that I came across. Uh, he's his sister is Uh-oh. a cheerleader <laughs> in the IPL. All right. Um, and actually, 
when uh, when Callis was playing in the uh, the IPL uh, in a game between uh, RCB and CSK, um, Callis was out, and uh, his sister was a cheerleader on the opposing team and um, celebrated him being out, which was nice. Mm, that's good. The um, sibling rivalry. He, he, he oh. mentioned he took it very well and mentioned that he thought her dancing was very good. I read an anecdote um, by one of the South African journalists covering that tour I was talking about. Um, and the main thing that they seemed to think about him uh, at that point was that he was a bit stupid. Um, can you confirm or deny? <laughs> well, they, but they thought because he was a massive, massive bloke, they were just like he's a bit dense. No, like he um, apparently he bowled him over. It's a re- the anecdote isn't very good, but he bowled him over on a hot day, and one of the journalists said to him. Oh, that must have been difficult for you. And his reply was, uh, "Yeah, I'm going to go and have to put some more petrol in my radiator." So he got—he just got his things mixed up. And then because of that, this journalist like was like, "Oh, I think Gallus is an idiot, basically." <laughs> I mean, if that's your only um, your your only experience of someone, then I can see why you would think that. It's a well, bit, of, a, it bit of an only, odd thing to say. It's the one he used to illustrate that Gallus was a bit dense. <laughs> Um, there's one other thing I'll say actually. Well, one one charge that was levelled against Jack Callis is that he's, uh, or one one of the one things that his detractors would say is that he had a bit of a low strike rate. Um, but he's also hit the uh, the third most sixes of any player in Test cricket as well, behind uh, Tendulkar and Chris Gale. So, Brendan McCullum. Yeah, he's fourth on the list with 94. Yeah, Jack Callis has 97. Chris Gale's got 98, and uh, Tendulkar. Just as a tip, in future, when someone says the third best, and then they name two other people, <laughs> there can't be another person above them. It was just on uh, when we were doing the wicket keepers. <laughs> when I looked at that, Brendan McCullum was right near the. T- I, was, I thought he was number one. So that was all. I didn't that might be ODIs. More than like ODIs. Anyway, uh, Matt, there is one thing though that he didn't actually win much because South Africa <laughs> put the bottle jobs, weren't they, throughout his whole career. Uh, they they got to number one in the world, didn't they? Win the nineteen ninety nine um, ICC Champions Trophy. Or ninety nine yet? It's kind of like winning the Community Shield, isn't it? No one really cares. It was in Bangladesh. <laughs> oh, that makes all the difference then. Sorry. Uh, okay, Max, there's a good uh, good defence of um, Jack Callis. Uh, I've gone for a person who. Um, there's four words to describe him, apparently. Um, womanizer, socialite, philanthropist, politician. Yeah. Um, and it's uh, the current Pakistani Prime Minister, Imran Khan. That's true all-round ability, isn't it? That is, he is a genuine all-rounder. He's a genuine <laughs> all-rounder. Um, he is a uh, quick right arm. Um, once said that he was the third fastest bowler in the world and also a very handy right-hand bat, hence he's an all-rounder. Um, the important stats is that he's one of eight people um, to do the all-rounders test triple, which is uh, 300 wickets and 3,000 runs. Um, he's taken 362 wickets at 22, mm. which is really quite staggering. I mean, compare that, to, compare that to Callis' um, average bowling. Which was is ten lower, which is uh, mightily yeah. impressive. And uh, and we'll, what about the batting averages there, Ross? Um, it's a little bit lower. Uh, <laughs> he's he's got three thousand eight hundred runs at thirty seven point six nine. So uh, he's a little bit worse with the bat. It's ten thousand runs less. Yeah, we well, didn't play as many <laughs> games as Callis, 
So he only played like 80 odd games nice, compared to yeah. Callis playing about 700 for his, um, apparently. He um, has taken uh, record um, wickets in terms of 14 for 119, which was uh, mightily impressive against um, Sri Lanka, a record at the time. Um, and you have to remember this is all happening in kind of the 80s, so it's a little bit before. Um, Pakistan weren't really that good at this point in time. He was really kind of their talisman, like Wakar Yunus. And he brought those guys into the fold um, when he was captain. Um, but there was a purple patch for Imran Khan. So in 1982, he took 62 wickets in a calendar year um, at 13.2. That's mm. impressive. Mightily impressive. Um, and he's only one of three players to hit a century and also get a tenther in a game. So uh, he's pretty would handy. Those, um, would those 62 wickets be around the time he invented reverse swing? Uh, yes, they would. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So uh, he was uh, he was the innovator that brought us reverse swing. Um, and then actually, as I mentioned, kind of Wakar Yunus, um, he was the one who pretty much started t- teaching the Pakistanis how to do it. He was like the trailblazer for Pakistan. So he was kind of uh, an explosive, kind of uh, fast-paced bowler, and it was all about kind of pretty much trailblazing to bring through the kind of show of actars of this world. They didn't really have that before. Um, there is a thing to uh, Imran Khan, though, that he kind of uh, liked the attention, which was probably a good thing. He went and played in the Kerry Packer World Series and played for 25 games and did very well there. Um, obviously came with a suspension, so he missed playing for Pakistan, so that can kind of talk around some of the stats there that he's a little bit lacking in terms of volume, even though his average is quite good. Um but in 1987, he kind of called it a day. And without captaining the side, I was just in a position where, do you know what, I've had enough. Um, what would you do in this situation, gents? Um, the military dictator of Pakistan at the time told him to come back and play. Would you A, do as you're told, B, not do it? Probably do um, it. Yeah, I'd probably do it. So he did come back, and uh, it was a really, really good decision from the military dictator, as he then uh, <laughs> as he then led them to uh, the 1992 World Cup. Where... I guess he, he had the last laugh, though, didn't he, in some ways, in Rankan, when it came to, to, to being a dictator. <laughs> <laughs> or at least president. Um... Uh, I don't know. <laughs> There's a couple of things I do like about Imran Khan. Um, he's the only captain to declare when he was personally in the 90s. So that's uh, that's some true leadership right there. I don't think any of us in this room would do that. Nope. We don't play in decoration games, so no. <laughs> um, but there is something that uh, is quite interesting here. So once uh, he led Pakistan to the 1992 World Cup final and won, um, in his final speech he didn't thank any of the players or congratulate anyone else other than himself where he talked around uh, his own motivation for setting up his own um, or the first cancer hospital in Pakistan so he was already on the Pakistan kind of that's a true journey. politician that yeah. is a true yeah true politician um, so politics was clearly on the mind 25 years later he is now the Prime Minister of um, Pakistan um, so as I said before he is a genuine all-rounder um, but there are some nicknames that I just kind of want to run by you, see, see what you think of them. And these are all genuine, by the way. So um, when, he was, uh, when he was fast bowler, he was called the Fighter Jet, which was good. Then, more recently, he's been called Im the Dim. <laughs> okay, yeah. Which isn't okay. too good. And um, because he's, uh, he's very much a pacifist, old uh, Imran Khan, um, but uh, as you can imagine, it, the politics in Pakistan are very, very... Um, 
complex to say the least and uh, the people who call him Taliban Khan or mm. Taliban Khan so uh, this, it's, there's a mixed there's a mixed thing mixed view of the person um, he's also all round yeah, yeah, all, yeah there's an all round <laughs> view of the person and uh, he um, also um, had a child with somebody and uh, this is kind of here saying the gossip column that I found myself in earlier today um, that he kind of just didn't acknowledge existed until the mum died and then he said oh shit I better look after her so uh, Imran Khan there nice guy bad guy great cricketer good leader we'll leave it up to uh, our viewers or listeners to decide um, so very that... much the David Brent summary of Imran Khan there wasn't it thank you very much I'll take nice guy bad guy <laughs> <laughs> Good cricketer, good leader. <laughs> Leftist pol- politics, rightish politics. <laughs> anyway, so, um, Jack, have you prepared someone, or are we going to go for the two this week? Uh, just the two this week. I spent too long reading about a um, stabbing. <laughs> Not on Brian, Brian Lara stabbed Jimmy Adams. <laughs> Uh, That's so, the point of the whole bit earlier, by the way. So in terms of Hall of Fame, the way it works is that we vote on who should be in there. Uh, Max, um, I'm, I'll go first. Um, I'm definitely going to vote for Jack Callis to be put into the Hall of Fame um, because he is one of all my all-time favourite cricketers and actually any team he would play in, he would improve. So I vote for Jack Callis. Uh, Max, um, who are you going to vote for out of your one options? Uh, well, I, 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 you know, it's um, uh, as much as... Uh, as uh, Imran Khan is um, an excellent option, I'm going to have to go with Imran Khan um, <laughs> because you know he's uh, he's not just a cricket all rounder, is he? He's he's a cricket all rounder. He's a life all rounder, a politics all rounder. He's got he's got the whole lot. He's got a good head of hair. Yeah, best hair of maybe any cricketer ever, I think, and that's why I'm going Imran Khan. Oh, best hair. Best hair. <laughs> Um, we will put a vote up on Twitter for other people to get involved. Um, we'd like to hear your views on, on, on the Callis Khan debate. And uh, where, um, where can they find us, Jack? At the Cricket Pod. On Instagram and on Twitter. So, uh, is there anything else you'd like to talk about, gents, or should we call the end of the show? Uh, I think that's everything. Um, just a reminder Jack Russell will be on on Thursday in time for the next episode. So if you have any questions for him, um, let us know. Brilliant. Thank you very much for listening. Speak to you soon. The Cricket Podcast. I think it should never be permitted to happen again. Very good.